0: It's a very American thing, I guess. We should be celebrating all year round. We should be highlighting the talent, not only for Latinos, but for Black people and Asian people and Native American people all year round, because we all need help. You know, it's all about diversity and inclusion.
1: It's more about the accountability of the people who are talking about this is important. These are the months to be like, okay, you said this is important. This is your way of showing it. And it's by participating.
2: Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond mendoza one half of your co-host.
3: And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host.
2: This is a very special episode of Straight Ahead because today is the first time we have two guests. Mm -hmm. In the coming weeks, we'll be spotlighting Latinx voices throughout Hispanic Heritage Month. So we thought, what better way to kick off Hispanic Heritage Month than spotlighting an organization that specifically highlights and helps empowers those Latinx voices.
3: So with that said, our guests this week are Magdiela Duomel and Brian Dimas. They are the co-founders of Latinx and Animation and are both working on the production side in the animation industry. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourselves?
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Magdiela Armida Duomel. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk. About Latinx animation, I'm, um, yeah, like you mentioned, I work in animation production. I've been on many projects from the story side all the way to post-production, live action, and animation. Some of the cool projects you guys are a fan of are Marvel Studios' What If?, The Casa Grandes, Straw Hunters, among many others, Um, and just happy to be here.
0: Oh, that's awesome. We're so excited to have you on. Awesome. And uh, my name is Brian Demas. I'm also the co-founder of X Animation and co-director. My full-time job is uh, associate producer at Warner Brothers in the development department, focusing on production. You might have seen some of the stuff that i worked on as well, you know, Trollhunters, The Velo, Trolls World Tour, Boss Baby 2. I've been in the industry around six years now, and it's been a fun journey so far. So excited to be here.
3: So excited to have you guys. Yeah, this is
0: amazing. Yeah. Yes.
2: (laughs)
3: so before we get into the interview the way we like to start off on straight ahead is by playing a little game called in between we're going to give you guys two similar choices and then you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why
2: i'll start us off with the first question whose tamales would you rather have during christmas time abuelita elena from coco or abuelita rosa from the casa grandes
1: Abuelita Rosa from the Casa <laughs> Grandes. Of course, she makes the best tamales. This
0: is a trick question. Oh. My mom doesn't listen to podcasts, but I'm going to have to choose my mom on this. Otherwise, she'll still oh. kill me. Oh, <laughs> <good answer. laughs>
1: oh, man. That's a good answer. That's okay. a better answer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if, if people that know my mom listen to this podcast, just let her know that I still chose her tamales.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pocket pick.
3: Does <laughs> she make them a special way or is it just because it's your mom?
0: I mean, she just it's her style. It's different from my other aunts and other people that I've tried. But it's just like, yeah, it doesn't. I can't, eat can't compare tamales. Yeah, it doesn't compare because it's just like oh, I always yeah. have to compare it to hers. So
1: That's true. My mom's tamales mm-hmm. are really good, too. But I think it says tamales are probably better. But don't tell my mom that. She doesn't. She won't listen to the podcast.
3: Sitting <laughs> unrealistic will. expectations. <laughs> <laughs> A little little asterisks.
1: Yeah, asterisk
3: for, for that answer. <laughs> what are you guys' favorite tamales? Oh, uh,
1: I really like green sauce. So if it has green mm-hmm. sauce, I do like like either pork or chicken. But I also grew up with tamales that are more similar to maybe what Brian's tamales grew up with. Because I'm from the south of Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula. So
0: are yours bigger?
1: They're bigger and they're made out of plantain leaves. Yeah.
0: Uh, Oh, I had those. Yeah. So
1: that's what I'm used to as tamales as well. So that's why they're different.
0: Because my my mom's is like with corn leaves from northern Mexico. But, you know, my dad's from Mm -hmm. El Salvador. So like their tamales are like same thing, like plantain leaves Mm or a lot different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So those, that's what I'm used to more because that's, that's the tamales I grew up with. And the south of Mexico is more like those.
3: Yeah, closer to El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense.
2: I would say definitely like I can't have anybody else's tamales other than either my grandma's or my mom's. Like I, that's why I can never just buy tamales. Like even from the street vendors or yeah. like at a restaurant, just like Whoa. never going to be the same. It's nah. never ever going to be the same.
3: Well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love tamales.
1: <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite, Yuki?
3: I don't know. I I just really like tamales. I think I just like the corn, like the consistency of the corn. Have you tried
1: (laughs) sweet ones, dessert ones? Yeah,
3: I have. So actually, Mm -hmm. uh, my best friend growing up is uh, from El Salvador, and they used to make the... I believe it must have been the plantain ones, because I didn't recognize... The way that they made them,
1: mm-hmm. they, were kind mm-hmm. of like,
3: they looked softer, yeah, sort of like softer, a consistency. A it mm-hmm. was like, oh, mm-hmm. interesting. They weren't that like big because I guess that was whatever they could get. But yeah, they were really awesome, very interesting. Yeah, like obviously I've never so seen good. them anywhere else. But, uh, <laughs> I, I just really like any. I mean, usually chicken ones, but yeah, and the green sauce, green yeah, sauce, green
1: sauce sure. is oh, good. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> okay. no, I'm hungry, guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: okay, last question. Would you rather befriend a dragon from How to Train Your Dragon or an Alibrije from Coco?
0: Oh,
2: that is a tough one.
1: That's a tough one.
2: Miguel, mm. you go first. Oh, yeah, we got him. We got him. <laughs> Finally.
1: <laughs> okay, so again, bias because okay, I worked on the show Dragons, <gasps> oh, you know, for, for okay. dream work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Race to the Edge. So I think because of that, I feel like I would be a lot better at training a dragon because I, like, mm. know what they, you know... Mm-hmm. But I would want to be able to train an alibri here, mm, so that's okay. why it's hard. I have the tools to do a dragon; I know that world. Mm-hmm. But I would want to do an alibri hit. Would you take that dive <laughs> though? <laughs> I would try to take the dive. I guess okay. I would just apply my dragon's training to the alibri hit training.
0: Mm. <laughs> I mean, I agree with go with the dragon. I, oh. I didn't, like. I just really love the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Mm-hmm. And also, too, like Ali what the part of Mexico my, my mom and her family's from, like that wasn't necessarily a thing I kind of grew up with. Coco, I know, made it like a little bit more mainstream. It wasn't something I was really connected to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three movies of Three Dragons, like I feel connected to those. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. And you know what another Brian mentioned it is true. Like I think alebrijes are big in Mexico and in, in, in some parts, but not everywhere. Because myself I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen those. But you know, again, I'm not familiar with that world as much as the world of dragons. That's very true.
3: Yeah. It's it's totally a more modern, in terms of art history, it's a more modern occurrence. I think it was only like in the 1940s or something, right?
2: Yeah. 1940s, 1960s, I think. It's
3: something. It's, it was like within oh, the wow. past hundred years.
2: I think the story is the dude who made them, he had a dream about like Alebrijes and he just crafted and painted it. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't something that's like in the ancient tablets and like okay. Mesoamerica. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. It's not like as baked in. It's not like from Mayan or derivative of that kind of thing.
1: That's cool, though. Mm-hmm. It's like our modern history, you know? Yeah. yeah.
2: But for me personally, I think the only reason I would go with an Alebrije is because mm. from what I've seen in the world of Coco and from looking at the, you know, the actual like little uh, figurines of it, is that each of them are unique and distinct from one another. Yeah. So whatever Alebrije I end up befriending will forever be mine and unique to me. Mm. I feel like dragons, there's breeze of dragons and stuff. So like someone might also have like an, a Night Fury with you or like whatever.
1: <laughs> this one is like yours. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's very specific. Mine's the only one like with a monkey with wings that with has like monkeys. neon colors.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and bunny rabbit. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs>
3: yeah, I might I might go see Malabrigha on this one. I just really like the colors. Yeah, <laughs> the colors and how weird they are too. I mean, I love the dragons, but yeah, this one is a hard one.
1: <laughs> it yeah. is. All
2: right. Well, thank you so much for playing in between with us, uh, both of you. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys had some fun.
0: Hopefully, yes. they weren't too hard. <laughs> No, no, those no, are those are that... good questions, like, uh, to loosen us up for the the hard hitting questions that are coming next. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. ex- Man, exactly. These were the
3: easy ones. Yeah, oh <laughs> this is the icebreaker, dude. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and for those of you, if you enjoyed today's in between questions, let us know your responses, or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media. Before we dive deep into Next and animation, we want to get to know you two a little better. Could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you two kind of got your start in the animation industry?
1: I can go first. So I started my career in the entertainment industry in live action. I started in post-production for closed captioning, subtitles, post-house. Oh, wow. And from there, I went from being like a vendor to being a client and worked my first Big Break was working for Fox Studios and FX Studios, and I worked in their post-production. So I was a studio that the shows were delivering to. And at the time, I worked on Archer for a little bit, and I was like, wait a minute, this is animated. I always wanted to work in cartoons. (laughs) I can do this. So that kind of opened up my mind a little bit about wanting to be in animation because I'm not an artist, and I don't know how to draw. But I wanted to make cartoons. So when I was at FX and I worked on Archer, I was like, wait, I can do this. So I reached out to a lot of the post supervisors and post producers on the other end and like, I want to do what you do, but animated. And I was able to find different opportunities online and I started applying everywhere and anywhere. And I got very lucky and got the job as a production coordinator at DreamWorks mm. for Trollhunters. And it was amazing because I was coming from live action to animation. So there was a little bit of an overlap there because there were really pushing the style of the show, really being like feature pipeline, you know, prestige animation, et cetera. So it was cool. Working on that show is where I met Brian, actually. I was sort of wrapping up the show and he was coming on to the spin-off show. So we overlapped for about a month. But during that time is where I realized like, wait, there's not a lot of us like, and there should be more. And I know they're out there. And that's sort of like where Linux came. But on my personal journey, before even getting to entertainment, being from California, I always knew I was going to be working in the industry somehow. I just didn't really know where. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have a lot of money to go to university. So I went to community college and did television production at Pasadena City College. And that's sort of like what got me into the post world. You know, I was like anything that I can get a job in that it's entertainment or industry. And I started in post. From there, I worked on different shows after Troll Hunters in different departments, you know, from story to art to animation. Awesome.
0: I love that story. Yeah. It like never gets old because it's like, <laughs> you know, it makes me think of like how different my journey has been too. But we did end up working on the same show. Yeah. No, it's crazy how people can cross
2: paths.
3: I'm, like, kind of stunned that they put you in a PC position, like, straight off. Even though yeah, that, you had, that, like, live action experience, yeah. so I was like, whoa, yeah. not even a PA, like a PC.
1: And that's the thing. I actually did apply for some PA positions. Mm. But I was a coordinator at the time at my title. But it was, you know, live action different. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it might mean a starting over or a pay cut or something. But, I, again, that's why I say it's like, I got lucky. But at the same time, I feel that on my interview, I was able to communicate a lot of the work that I did. And totally. they were like, okay, so maybe you're not too entry level, which it was great. But cut two, my supervisor was then let go. And I was acting supervising for the rest of the season on my own. Yeah. Oh, wow. So <laughs> so I wish I would have asked for more money, but that's a different story.
0: <laughs> oh my. And then what about you, Brian? How did you get your start? Yeah. So I always like was a fan of movies and animation as well. But like Magdiela, I didn't necessarily know that that was a career path, but I knew like I wanted to work in entertainment. Well, when I was in college, like I took a couple animation classes and then I had the opportunity to go on this trip to visit LA to learn a little bit about the industry from alumni from my college. And I always laugh at the story. I, I, I was telling yellow this last time we were on Clubhouse, but there was like a, an essay that I had to write to go on a specific meeting. <laughs> being toured with this alum and it was only eight of us so I was like this is dumb like why are we being split up so I didn't write the essay right <laughs> to be rebellious I was like I felt like why do I need to write an essay for this If you know I feel like all of us should go so I didn't write the essay so the four of us didn't go to go on that so the other four we got to visit DreamWorks Animation instead and I guess that's a blessing in disguise you know yeah. I, <laughs> I was like <laughs> it worked out for me so I didn't write the essay I got to visit DreamWorks I got to meet an alum there who was a production manager at the time and and now she's a producer at DreamWorks. But that's how I connected. And after that trip, like, yeah, I definitely want to work in animation. But I like my deal. I'm not an artist either. So mm. I was studying engineering and film and television production. So it was like very different. But I had like strong foundation in like technical skills and software and knowing that. But I also wanted to work in production because I wanted mm-hmm. to collaborate with those artists specifically. So it worked out really well because it really gave me a foundation so when i did eventually move out to la and i was trying to get a job in animation when i you know connected with the producer that i met previously when i visited la she really liked my skill set my resume as well and i got an interview at dreamworks did the interview didn't get the job on the first try <laughs> but on the second try i did get a job offer so then i started my career in tv on a 2d show mm. eventually i got promoted to production coordinator and went over to three below and troll hunters that's where i first met Magdala. and then from there I, I moved over to the feature side and worked on trolls world tour and boss baby two and a bunch of different departments and then after four and a half years at dreamworks i i took the opportunity at warner brothers animation to be a production manager and i've been here like over a year and a half, and now Minister an Supervisor. So, hopefully, that's concise enough.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, that's great. That's
0: amazing. Yeah, you guys both of you jam packed
2: a lot of information in your journey in such a yeah. tight knit. It's almost like you guys have done this before. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: it's almost actually
0: the sh- next time at get that we have to do this, I'll tell your story and you tell my story. I'll do your answers <laughs> for you, you do my answers for me. That actually yeah. would be a really fun. That would be fun. I think
1: we would be able to do it, too. That'd be so Love cute. It.
0: That'd be great. If there Dude, was
1: like... I, I
3: like, Brian, how you were like, I'm not going to write this essay. And then, oh, no, don't send me to DreamWorks. Guess I'll go. Yeah. Like, like, what a terrible I punishment know. for not doing the
1: essay. So don't write the essay, kids. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the lesson.
2: So, Magdiela, you already kind of touched on it briefly that while you were... At DreamWorks and you cross paths with Brian, you guys noticed that there wasn't a lot of you guys, people that looked like you working in animation. And that was kind of like the initial seeds that kind of started the idea of Latinx in animation. So what was like your mentality starting this organization and what kind of goals and ambitions did you guys set out to accomplish?
1: Now that you know a little more about our journey, when I started at DreamWorks, it was before 2016, and 2016 came, and, you know, we had a really crappy election, and I just remember Mm -hmm. feeling completely powerless, and... Mm. I remember just being in my circle and thinking like, there's got to be more people that I can relate to. There's got to be more of us out here. And if there isn't, why aren't they? Because we can definitely do this job. I mean, I don't know but the brown people in your family, the immigrants in your family, the minorities in your family, but we're hard workers. We multitask. We wear different hats. We can manage. We can do so much. So my thought was got to be more of us. Mm-hmm. And Early on, it was just sort of like a community that we had created internally, getting to know who was in the company that were other people that identified as other or as Latino, Latina. And what happened is I leave the studio in 2018. At the time we were at DreamWorks, I leave to work for a different studio. So we continue having these sort of lunches together. And like Brian will get me a drive-in so I can go. And eventually we realized there's so many more people that would want to be part of this and our mission was to create a community where we felt heard but we can sort of vent right these extra issues we had as people of color as minorities as immigrants mm-hmm. as first second third generation totally but also feeling you know our american side of like many of us maybe not having a very good spanish and mm-hmm. maybe not fitting in within the latino family but then not being american enough and not being salvadorian nicaraguan enough right so our first main goal was to just sort of create a community. What came afterwards was just a blessing because when we had our first meeting, Brian and I were just like, let's just host Like a little get together at Golden Road over in Burbank (laughs) and let's see. And over sixty people showed up. Wow. And we were like, whoa. Yeah, it was closer to a hundred,
3: actually. To your first first, like, hey, let's just get together. Yes. So we (gasps) were like obviously the
1: need the need is there. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of when we took the serious. And Brian and I were like, we gotta get to work. Like, obviously the need is here, you know? And both coming from production how because we kind of were like, all right. If this was a production, what would we do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys have the organization skills. I really had it. I mean, that's how we approached it from the very beginning. We were like this: the Google Drive that we still use is the same <laughs> yes. one from three years ago. Like we've, we've been updating it slowly, but for the main part, like a lot of the original stuff that we had created is in that organization that we, you know, we just approached it like a production, and it's always helped us from the beginning too. That's insane. Yeah, that's great that you guys like saw that there was a
2: need for that kind of community. Because again, being Hispanic, being Latinx, that's pretty much our culture's community. So trying to build that, it's honestly like really amazing. And you guys have honestly done a lot since your initial inception, both pre-pandemic and current pandemic. Is there any other goals that you guys want to accomplish that you guys haven't had a chance to
0: yet? There's a couple initiatives that we're working on that we hope to launch soon. From the very beginning, a lot of the resources that we've been trying to build toward, we've tried not to like rush into anything Mm. because anything that we've tried to do, we try to do well. We want any initiatives or programs that we launch to be successful. We get questions about scholarships and grants and funding for sure. It's like that's stuff that we want to do eventually mm. it just takes time mm. it takes money but also like we have to approach it methodically because we're a nonprofit based in the u.s so some of these programs if we were to do them can't necessarily give money away to people internationally you know mm-hmm. so that's stuff that we would love to do those are the things that people would get asked about all the time and we want to do but it's just you know we're like eventually
1: Absolutely. I think that those are some initiatives that we're working on. We're also working closely with our sibling organization, the Youth Cinema Project, and mm. we are hoping to bring animation curriculum to the program. We've created a pilot program and working on trying to expand so we can bring this program into the schools, which is really cool because it's from fourth, to twelfth grade, and it's not an after-school program, so it's exciting to Uh sort of work with the state of California to really bring something that is part of their curriculum. So that's something we're working on with the Youth Cinema Project, just, again, our sibling organization under the Latino Film Institute, which is sort of like our parent organization and why we are now a nonprofit. So yay, thank you, LFI. Mm -hmm. And one of the cool things from that, too, is that our other sibling organization is La the LA, Los Angeles International Latino Film Festival, and through that we've been able to launch. As of this year, 2021, we were able to bring a full day of animation content. So it was Animation Day, and that was really cool. We're now going to be doing that next year as well. So that's something that we're excited about because we are able to now have a whole day of animation programming at this film festival in LA. You know, Hollywood and Highland, like the heart of LA. So, yeah. That's something that we're excited about for next year to see what else we can do, especially because this year, our first year was during COVID. So we had to do Mm -hmm. all of our programming online and we're hoping we can have a mixture of virtual and live because we still want to keep the virtual. We have a lot of international members and we have a lot of people that are not in L.A. that want to be in the industry and are trying Mm -hmm. to get into the industry. There's a lot of great programs all over the nation with great animation So our hope is to teach, give tools to the community, elevate voices, shine lights on these people, talent, artists, shows that are making really cool stuff. And we're hoping that with the support and with people learning more about us, you know, now we're a nonprofit, get more funding to continue to explore and expand these programs.
2: No, it's really great. Totally, yeah. Yeah, that actually really leads into, like, one of my questions, because I was going to ask about La Leaf and, like, the whole animation day, because that was such a huge event. I, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, probably, like, maybe the most huge event that you guys helped put together. Like, one that was probably,
0: like, a massive feat. What was, like, some
2: of the challenges of putting something like that together?
0: So that one was fun because it's something that we've been kind of building towards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like when we first joined LFI, Lalif had an opportunity to do some programming, right? So the mm-hmm. first time we participated in La Leaf, we organized a talk and a mixer, which was really cool. So we did like a masterclass talk with four speakers and a mixer, wow. followed by the LA premiere of the animated series Undone. Ooh. So that was really fun. So then the following year, we were planning something similar. Obviously, the pandemic hit, so we transitioned to online. And we still did an animation masterclass talk. But one thing we were wanted to do, and we've been kind of helping, is encourage more Latinx filmmakers to submit their animated short films because the year that the first year we participated, there was like one or two animated short films. The following year, I think it was like two or three, but we knew there was a lot out there. So Mm -hmm. this year with uh, Diana Cadavid, who was artistic director at the time, she's now overall leading the festival but we had pitched her like, these are all the cool talks we can do now because we've been doing a lot of online talks past year or so. And then we were also pitched like, we really want to do an animated shorts program. We know there's a lot of Latinx filmmakers out there, but that's something we really want to do. So we pitched her this idea and she loved all the ideas And she was like, why don't you guys just do a whole day of programming? And we we're like, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we made it happen. You know, it was really cool. It was primarily hybrid. So all the talks and stuff happened online. We did have another premiere of an animated series, uh, Woman in the Book. Mm. And then we had an animated shorts program with judges as well. So, Because, you know, we wanted to give out an award as well. So Mm. the short film that ended up winning Mm. the La Leaf animated shorts program also had won South by Southwest before. And people are pointing towards it as like, hopefully having some luck in the award season. So yeah, that's how it came about. You know, it was really encouragement from Diana and we just kind of rolling with it. And we know we're going to do animation day next year again, hopefully with more in-person events and stuff.
2: Can't wait to hear more. Can't wait for it to get closer to that day because that'd be such an amazing thing to attend. Again, depending how the world is, if it's still virtual, that's going to be great. But if it can be kind of more of a hybrid, that'd be awesome to attend in person. Yeah. You mentioned there's a lot of questions you guys get asked. And I feel like this one might also get asked a lot to you guys, but does... Latinx and animation have any plans on starting kind of their own podcast in a similar vein to like Black and Animated, or is what you guys are doing on Clubhouse like the Clubhouse Talks? Is that your own version of doing a podcast?
1: Kind of. It's a lot of work, as you guys obviously know. <laughs> 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 no, we know. It's too much work, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like we both have our day jobs, just like mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. So I think that sounds like a lot. For now, our clubhouse community serves sort of of that like Mm. audio communication. Mm -hmm. Brian does a lot of our editing for our videos and our talks and stuff. So I doubt he would want to start doing editorial work on a podcast.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, (laughs) we, we have a team of volunteers that helps us a lot and Mm -hmm. honestly monica rodriguez is part of our team she's led the whole clubhouse thing and she does an amazing job amazing and even clubhouse magila and i were like oh like this is really cool but like do we have the time to do it and monica was like i'll do it and she you know she's done a great job of handling it so Mm -hmm. if it were to be a podcast i feel like it would be someone that it's either from our team or someone that really wants to take the initiative that we feel we can trust to kind of do some cool stuff so eventually maybe i don't know mm,
1: maybe i don't know
0: <laughs> we get asked about discord and slack and stuff like that
1: mm.
0: again that mm. we would love to but right now it also takes a lot of management
1: mm-hmm. yeah black
0: and animated also has an amazing discord community so it is like mm-hmm. lightbox expo and linux and gaming but it does take a lot of management you know you got to set it up your rules and make sure that everyone's being really respectful in the community mm-hmm We want to, I think it's just also like finding the right person to help lead that sort of how some of our team members have done some of the other initiatives.
1: So if you want to help out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're like, I'm really great at podcasts. You know know where to reach
2: them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that you guys also do and have started is Discurso and Draws. How has that been? And have you noticed like a stronger sense of community since starting those?
1: Yeah, those are fun. We've actually have now opened it up to two different groups. Now we have Discurso and Draw English and then Discurso and Draw in Espanol during the same Mm. night because people want to practice Spanish or we have a lot of international people that can join all these online events now. So we have a lot of Latin American Members, So that's been really cool because we are doing it every third Thursday of the month. And we've had some what we call mini celebrities crashing, <laughs> you know, just some artists that have worked for some really cool projects. Sometimes have just kind of come in and people can ask questions. The clubhouse talks on Thursdays and the school's on draw Thursdays is sort of like our way of maintaining our community because now we don't have networking events. Mm-hmm. They're super casual. Right. It's just really more about talking to other people, asking questions, just drawing while you talk. I will go in there and draw and I'm not really drawing, but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's just like, hey, everybody, I'm going to draw a calavera. Like, this is how you draw it. Or sometimes it's draw the first thing you notice on your desk and then you share. So. It's a combination of that, but a lot of it, it really is about community. It's just about how was your day? How was your work? A lot of students or a lot of entry-level questions of like, how do you do this? How do you navigate through that? It's just creating those communities. Mm-hmm. totally
2: and it's great that you guys also have like a, like you mentioned a lot of younger students or like entry-level people who want to like you know learn more it's also a way again because you guys can't do the in-person mixer a way to still have that sense of community and like get to meet somebody that you might have not have met on your own
1: absolutely and i highly recommend you know for those listening in your entry level or you're in college or you're just graduating or you're an artist and not sure where navigate join those events because this is the community where you can ask you know, Brian directly a question. You can ask me directly a question. You know, if you guys were there, it'd be like, Hey, how is it living and working in a different state while you're working animation? Or how is it doing a podcast? Like that's a lot of work. You know, mm-hmm. those are the conversations that you miss when you have those networking events and it's sort of to continue pushing that community. Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier, our Latinidad, it really is a lot about community and, and being together and just like, loud and music and just that and this is the best way we can recreate that in a casual way
3: I think that's really awesome that you guys have this because even you know if we weren't in pandemic sometimes people have a lot of trouble like mixing in person I think like having an online option even takes a lot of the pressure off Mm -hmm. for some people you know maybe less scary on the internet when you have some sort of like
1: a little buffer.
3: Yeah, a little buffer. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, you guys can continue that even after uh, we go back to doing in person yeah. mixers and stuff.
1: We would love to continue doing that. I mean, I think that personally, people who know me, like my good friends, and even like Brian knows, I don't do networking events myself. Mm. Like, I mostly go to our events because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this
0: whole virtual world has opened a lot of doors for us because we're in LA. Mm people that live in LA know that it takes forever to get anywhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you have like a family or if you have like other responsibilities, you really have to plan out your schedule super way ahead. Cause say the mixers on the West side, like in Santa Monica and a lot of the animation studios are based in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Like that's 45 minutes to an hour. You're going to be driving for a mixer or an event, you know, it's, it's a lot. You really got to plan ahead and doing stuff in person is a lot more personable. You know, you get to meet people face to face. It feels like it really sometimes a little bit stronger connections and friendships that you can build. But the virtual world, like we're talking with people in South America or Latin America or other parts of the world, like in Europe, that otherwise we would have never would have connected at all. Not
2: to mention that people might also not have the means of transportation to make yes. it to the events. Yeah, so, yes. It just makes it more inclusive as well.
1: Absolutely.
2: Especially if you're in high school or I didn't have a car in college until like my third year and it was like a beater car that yeah. <laughs> like <it> just <laughs> got me from point A to point B. Absolutely,
1: And even when you have that car, sometimes you don't have the money to put the gas in the car to make that 45 exactly. minute hour. I know that mm. one of the coolest things was Michelle Rincon, Lauren, she was a student when we did our first event over, you know, in 2018 at Golden Road. And she was driving from Fullerton. She was at the time at Fullerton to Burbank for our event. And I was like, oh my God, you do not have to do this. And she's like, no, I I want to. And <laughs> she's awesome. She's oh working God. in the industry now. She was over at Warner Bros. as a, a storyboard artist. But I did think about that. And we think about this now. We're very conscious to know that those are sacrifices, you know, even keeping our membership free. I know that maybe hundred bucks, 150 bucks is not a lot for some people, but I know within our community, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of us still live at home. Some of them take care of parents. Some of us take care of our siblings or brothers or family members. I think not just, Latino. You know, I think just in general, you know, sort of like the immigrant first, second generation mentality. And we have to be conscious of that when we do our events. And keep budget in mind always because we're poor. We get it. How do (laughs) we help people who are just starting? You know, Mm -hmm. we get that.
2: To continue the topic of, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month or just like, you know, Latinx voices, you two and all of Latinx and animation are doing so much to empower and highlight these Latinx voices. Is there anything you're currently doing or any future plans that you guys want to do to help empower and spotlight younger Latinx voices?
1: I can quickly say on our end, we're working with, you know, the Youth Cinema Project to go younger, like fourth grade younger. Mm -hmm. But we are trying to do some initiatives to work closer with colleges. One of them that hopefully we can do when we're back, we really talked about maybe doing like a crashing a college university class in animation to talk about production, because I think that's one subject that a lot of, universities in animation don't teach we were able to do it at fullerton but uh, you know COVID and schools but that's something that myself and you know brian and many of us are very passionate about is to really help the entry-level college students understand the other path to their dream job is production
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're totally right. That is a class or something that rarely doesn't get taught at a college. Oftentimes you kind of learn it like secondhand or when you're working on a thesis film with a group of your Mm -hmm. peers, somebody has to kind of take the reins and be like, okay, I guess I'll be the producer for this project. I'll help create the Excel sheets. I'll help create the Google Drive and stuff. And oftentimes you have to ask an upperclassman that has done it, who's also learned it like secondhand, like, okay, well, this is what I did. This is what they told me. And so... Having like a dedicated or like a crash course to even learning that stuff would be so beneficial because, again, even production is not one of those jobs you tend to think about when you're in school. It's like almost kind of like an afterthought. It's not Mm -hmm. until like you've entered the industry or until like maybe you left college where you're like, oh, wait, I can also work on this other side of Mm -hmm. animation. And Mm -hmm. it's just bringing more awareness to that would be so amazing, especially at a younger level, like college level, high school level, elementary level, because something else I kind of want to say is that when I was younger, I didn't know anybody that looked like me working in animation. So it didn't seem like a feasible option for me growing up. So introducing that, especially like at elementary level, can give a lot of Latinx kids, a lot of Hispanic kids, the idea or the motivation or the ambition to pursue something like that, Mm because them seeing more people that look like them is like, okay, cool, I can actually do this.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, things we've talked about is even for international too that's where it gets really tricky for us because for a lot of latin american countries there isn't really an industry and there's not a lot of opportunities or pathways for education as well like i guess like post high school education so that's something that we've been trying to build bridges with a lot of organizations in latin america or film festivals and conferences because we want to hopefully offer some insight and some education it does get a lot more difficult though for People that are trying to get jobs here in the US for animation, because it's, there's a whole other thing you have to worry about, like visas and stuff like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a real barrier for a lot of, especially entry level positions, not that it can't be done. It's just, again, it takes a lot of work, Mm. but yeah, but for younger audiences and in other countries, that's something that we talk about. And whenever we talk to these conferences or festivals, that's something that they mention a lot is entry level art, especially for artists.
2: We are both so happy to have both of you on this podcast, especially to kind of kick off Hispanic Heritage Month. In both of your opinions, why is it important that we do these kind of months of recognition for specific cultures and
0: heritage and like, you know, people of color? There's a really good saying out there that we should be saying, you know, celebrating all of Latinidad, Hispanic people and Black people and Asian people all year round. In the Mm -hmm. US, it's really weird that we do these months in the first place. Mm Mm-hmm. It's funny when we talk to our Latin American friends, we're like, "Yeah, we're planning Hispanic Heritage Month," and they're like, "We don't even know what that is."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so it's a, okay. it's a very, it's a very American thing, I guess. Um, totally. So every month is a Hispanic Heritage Month. Exa- exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, <modern> <laughs> we should be celebrating all year round. We should be mm-hmm. highlighting yeah. the talent not only for Latinos but for Black people and Asian people and Native American people all year round because we all need help. You know, it's all about diversity and inclusion, and we should be helping each other out so although it is nice to kind of have a month to plan and do a lot of this stuff and be really special we should be celebrating and highlighting these people all year round
1: Mm -hmm. i agree i think that this is why it's exciting that other organizations you know like rise up animation animations and black and animated ourselves and woman animation are doing programming all year long to highlight these voices yeah it's especially important to acknowledge the talent. I also think that the way that our month is broken into. Which is like September 15 to like October 15. It's
3: so weird. It's like in the middle
1: it's of like two a, months. In yeah. the middle of two months. And, and a lot of it is because there's a lot of independence dates. But I don't know. Mm. It really is for us more than anything. A time for us to really push that collaboration with a lot of the studios and a lot of the organizations and a lot of the sort of like mass media, right. because mm-hmm. for us, we're celebrating our voices every year. You know, we have a monthly newsletter, we have a member spotlight all year round. So for us is fun to have this month to be able to call out on those organizations that are wanting diversity and inclusion and kinda of give him like, hey, you know you guys always want to do cool things with brown people. Now it's your <laughs> month to do it. So aside from that, I don't think that there's necessarily like too much of an importance on our end mm. personally, because like mm-hmm. Brian said, we're always celebrating our Latinidad. But I think in the mass media in the world, I think it's important. I at least think that on our end is important that we continue To explain what we're celebrating or why Mm. we're celebrating and like, Mm -hmm. hey, Cinco de Mayo is not Independence Day in Mexico. It's actually a battle (laughs) of Puebla that it's technically the first Mexican-American holiday, you know, because it was celebrated Mm -hmm. mostly in the U.S., by Latinos and not necessarily in Mexico unless like Puebla
2: yeah no one celebrates Cinco de Mayo in <laughs> <Yeah. Mexico. laughs>
1: so it's one of those things where like it's important so we can have this time to have these uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. with other people but personally we're always trying to continue those highlights and Art is so important in our community that continuing to celebrate our culture is continuing to shine a spotlight on all this beautiful art that's coming out of our people.
2: Mm. That's very well put. And again, like we mentioned, Islamic Heritage Month is... The way it's lined up, it's already really weird. But like you said, it's because so many of the independence days in like Central and Latin America kind of overlap, not all of them, but overlap in that specific time frame, which is why it's like that. Mm. My own personal headcanon that I kind of had for why Hispanic heritage months is like that, because it's kind of like evenly divided between September and October. These months are only a thing in the US. It's not yeah. anywhere else in the world. So my my theory or my my headcanon was that because a lot of like you know latin people are like immigrants and like a lot of the people growing up here they're like on that border between two worlds Mm -hmm. like either you're not american enough or you're not mexican enough so like Mm -hmm. i thought hispanic kind of bridging two months was kind of representation of the people that are growing up in america that are latino or latina Mm -hmm. is that you're kind of like the same you kind of bridge two worlds
1: i can totally see that i was going more (laughs) in a very like (laughs) my thought was like there's some really dark joke that we were late to our own month. (laughs) Uh, no! (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, where my mind goes. That's so (laughs) like, I was like, wait, is that why? The sad thing is that my brain went to, like, I mean, maybe? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like
3: a no, it was like
1: a... <laughs> wasn't a no, it was like maybe. But no, I think that it's more of the independence stuff. and That was their way right. of mixing it. But I do like your way of putting it, of like the two cultures. I never really thought about it that way, so maybe. That was
2: like my own head headcanon until yeah. I found out the real reason. <laughs> yeah. Which I like my reasoning a little better.
1: Yeah, I like yours.
2: But to the whole late thing, if that was true... Yes, it would be that. But then also we would oversell welcome as well.
1: Yeah, which is why instead of saying like <laughs> September 15 ending at the end of the month, we're like, well, we came late. So might as well stay till the 15th, you know. <laughs> I can totally see that too, which is mm-hmm. like, but I yeah. think it's most of the independence, which kind of sucks mm. because, you know, Brazil already celebrated their independence and they were like the beginning mm-hmm. of the month. So it was oh. like, like, yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, if you want it to count.
0: Everybody. It doesn't encompass everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and for the most part, also not totally encompassing all the countries in South America either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like September 15th is a lot of Central American countries. So again, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a very American thing to do. It's very weird. Also, again, it just makes things difficult to plan from September 15 to October 15 (laughs) because I think October, the month of October, is another like month of recognition for another group and culture too. So, like again, there's overlap, and it just it's just confusing.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different factors at play. I do think it's kind of cool that I mean we've never talked about these months on our show on Straight Ahead, but like it is kind of interesting to think about that there are these dedicated months to different cultures Mm -hmm. like hispanic heritage month black history month the asian american pacific islander month that we celebrated earlier this year Mm -hmm. but like it is kind of in a way it's like yes we should be celebrating everybody all the time all year round but it's almost like the black lives matter sort of argument is like okay but we're bringing attention to Mm -hmm. it because we're not (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we need to recognize and see all of these you know marginalized groups and you know maybe you've never thought like i'm not trying to keep out, you know, Latinx people or anything like that, but have you really, like, tried to find them or, like, give Mm -hmm. them space to talk? That's what the months are for, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. Just
3: to, you know, highlight that and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, like, yeah, we'll hand over the mic and consciously make a change for yourself.
1: Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think that's the nail, you know, um, (laughs) makes sense. It's more about the accountability of, like, the people who are talking about this is important. These are the months to be like, okay, you said this is important. This is your way of showing it. And it's by participating, by giving back, by everything in between.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it's also great that organizations like you guys exist to kind of remind people year round.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Keep it going year round.
2: Even though you guys do everything year round, I'm pretty sure you guys also have specific things planned for Hispanic Heritage Month as well on your end. So is there any fun panels or events that are going to be happening during Hispanic Heritage Month that you want to let people know?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I wish we, uh, we had Proud Angela with us on this podcast because she, <laughs> she has uh, done an amazing job really leading Hispanic Heritage Month and planning out the entire month. We are doing a couple fun events and talks with most of the studios. Awesome. We are working very hard on maybe having an in person event as well for people in LA. Ooh. We'll see. Fingers crossed.
3: <laughs> Stay safe, everyone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then also we're doing a couple of talks with Nickelodeon, Disney, you know, hopefully Netflix and Sony. It's been a good year for Latinx centered stories as well for film. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had Bevo. Mm. you know, we have upcoming Mayan the Three. Mm-hmm. We have the upcoming Encanto as well. So we've tried to kind of balance it out with a lot of the good events and plannings and also not necessarily focusing on projects and, you know, but we're really hearing from people. We have a really cool panel that was my idea Lizardia, about OGs and animation. So really hearing from the <laughs> Latino OGs that have been in the industry a while to kind of impart on their the great knowledge stuff.
1: Yeah, we have some really cool programs that we will be announcing. Keep an eye for the 15th of September and we're going to kick off the month and the celebration by Brian and I and a few of our LXIM members doing a, you know, sort of like Zoom so we can talk to people and break into rooms and have more on one on one with our members. One of my favorite panels that we're doing, like Brian said, is like all the OGs of animation is people have been working in the industry before us, like 15, 20 years that are Latino, that have been breaking those ceilings and opening those doors for us ahead. That I'm really excited about. Um, We also have some panels that are talking about just, you know, mental health and Mm. working in the industry with a lot of different chronic conditions that might affect our day to day, but yet we're expected to perform. So I think that's a really interesting one. we're excited about. We're also going to be talking a lot about within our community, how we can help each other with elevating ourselves and really what diversity and inclusivity means, not just with Latinos, but, you know, I think colorism within our own communities is something that we don't talk a lot about. And it's important to sort of be aware that There is so much racism within our own communities, and we need to just say it and be like, let's stop doing it. So, a lot of conversations that are more targeted to subjects that are a little bit tabooish in our community is sort of what we like to talk about. So, we're excited to bring some conversations that are, you know, not necessarily Latino, they're more taboo within our own community and excited Mm -hmm. to talk about. So, keep an eye for our announcement of our all programming we have three weeks of so much content with some really cool people and we're also celebrating our third year our third anniversary for lxia Woo-hoo, woo. on the 18th of october it's our birthday so since it's the end of history month we're mm-hmm. hoping to probably you know do something fun for our birthday as well
2: that's awesome no everybody please be on the lookout for that i'm excited i can't wait on that topic as well, how can people kind of get involved with
0: Latinx and animation?
1: Our website.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Animation or at LatinxAnim. Sign up for our free membership. Our membership is free. It's open to anyone. You don't have to be Latinx. That's a common question we, that we get. Like, we're totally inclusive. We want to support everybody. And then make sure once you sign up that our emails aren't going to your spam so that you're just kind of in the know on all the fun programming that we have. So that's the best way to follow along. Definitely try to, you know, stay involved on those emails and feel free to reach out anytime. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, send an email to the main email. I read them, Angela reads them, or, you know, we'll just make sure that someone responds to it as well. So that's the best way to, to follow us along. And not only us, but also the other Latino Forms Institute programs. So La Leaf and you send project as well. Follow them along. They have amazing programming and do amazing work as well.
1: Yeah, And if you're interested in being a lot more involved, you know, like Brian said, we've had some really cool members who have become part of our core family because they've reached out and said, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. Like, how can I help you? We've talked about Monica, our social media person who literally was in college and was like, you need help. I made a whole thing on how I can help you. Can we have a conversation? I want to help you. You know, she was a marketing student at the time. Now she's amazing and has been And I was like, okay, thank you for telling me. Like, we know that. We know. So, if you really want to get involved, we're not going to be like, no, we have things our way. Like, no, we're very open to collaboration, hearing others. We don't want to be doing this forever. You know, we want to be able to have other people take leads and Mm -hmm. create their own communities and have chapters. Like, the dream will be for students to be able to have this community when they start in their universities and have a chapter that's the long-term goal right it's to be able to get in early on right. so if you want to be involved and in you're passionate reach out also one way to help is just share our content you know if you see things that are on social media and not just us but people that you follow that you care that you support one way to support is share the content do that like, do that comment. You know, we do it for people we don't even know that we follow, but we don't do it for our own communities. So I think that's one way to support It's just share, like, and comment. I know it sounds silly and <laughs> I hate it because the social media world
3: sucks. Yeah. But
1: at the same time, you know, it isn't the wave that we're going to. And we want to stay relevant. We want to stay up to date of what's happening. But one way to do that is to talk to you guys. And you guys tell us what's happening in the community as we and you guys move up in your careers, and that's the goal is to, you know, make it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to forget about the people below. You want to continue to help them and hear them. So we're very open about people reaching out to us and being in contact and, you know, responding to emails on things that are important to you. hundred
2: mm-hmm. you percent. Want, you want to bring down the ladder, not pull it up. Yes,
1: exactly. You know, it's like bring it down so you guys can climb up instead of pulling it up and up. That's a great one. I'm going to use that. I like it. <laughs>
3: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you guys, Magdiela and Brian?
1: You can find me on social media, MagdielaDumel at anywhere. I think I'm the only person with that name. So if you <laughs> Google me, you can find my socials. I believe it's magdiella Duamel, but you can find me on social media and stay in touch. Again, I respond a lot through emails. A lot of times I don't have too much time to do sort of one-on-ones so or, you know, meetings, but I have a few minutes always on my phone that I'm like responding to DMs. So mm. I usually respond. So you can find me there and follow me there as well.
0: And then uh, for me, you can find me, most of my usernames are like variations of just my name, Brian with a Y, Demis. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am very slow responding. I'm so sorry. Like I read everything. <laughs> And then in the middle of that, I'll remember like, oh, I forgot to respond to this person. So I'll like, again, just be patient. But I try to answer as many questions as I can. And I try to help as many people as I can. So that's the best way to connect with me if you can.
2: It's amazing. And again, it's been such a pleasure having both of you on here. What are some changes that you guys want to see in the animation industry moving forward?
1: Higher rates.
3: (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes, (laughs) I agree with that. And I'm going to say I feel very lucky that I came from live action because I came in with lower rates. And it wasn't until recently that I've been hiring people or my colleagues are getting jobs their equivalent and asking me how much I make versus how much they're getting. And I'm just like, oh, my God, these rates are low. We need to make higher. Like the industry can afford to do it if we push Mm -hmm. up to the studio. So I would say higher rates, but also a leadership with a lot more kindness.
0: Yeah, well put. I would love to see more diverse executives at the top level. So, you know, mm-hmm. directors, VPs, senior VPs, presidents of studios, you know, I would love to see a lot more diversity on that end. And I think we're slow at seeing that. And it's been really great to see, I mean, five years ago, I, again, it wasn't what it is today, but I would still love to see more diversity at the leadership executive level.
3: Perfect. Dear audience, if you enjoyed our interview with LXIA, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Straight Ahead AP. Thank you, Ray, for suggesting this guest (laughs) to kick off our Hispanic Heritage Month celebration. And if you have a suggestion for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier.
2: Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who will continue to have a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day.
1: Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.